Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're joined on the program by uh, a, a longtime guest of the show, and I always really appreciate his participation, Michael Zweigstra. He's a Manitoba high school teacher and author. Uh, his books, his most recent one, is Sage on the Stage. He was also the author of What's Wrong with Our Schools and uh, How Can We Fix Them. And uh, Michael is a public speaker. He's a media commentator. And he wrote a column recently, the title of which is The Fine Line Between Education and Indoctrination. Michael, good to talk to you. And I think it's an appropriate time as we bridge the gap from 1919, uh, from 2019 to 2020. Well, absolutely, Roy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. So uh, let me start with this, if I may, because it's something that I, I, I was on your webpage, and it's an, it's an excellent webpage. I was on your webpage, and something that caught my attention that I'd almost forgotten about was that the province of Ontario was demanding that high school students complete e-courses in order to graduate high school. Um, but I also read in your piece that a significant percentage, maybe a majority of high school students in the province of Ontario don't think it's a good idea. Well, and that's very true. The uh, This issue of e-learning, it's basically like a distance learning program where uh, students complete a course online. So a lot of people think of it as just your basic distance learning. Uh, it's it's the type of thing that it works well when it's done on a voluntary basis and when you it's something you want to do and you're self-motivated and you have a good computer access and you, you that's a good way for you to learn. But lots of students, particularly high school students, that's not good for them. And if you're going to make it mandatory, you run into all sorts of problems. And so uh, I think it's fine to have e-learning as an option, as a way of expanding course options available. I think it's a terrible idea to force everyone to have to do mandatory courses that way. Is there any other jurisdiction in Canada or anywhere else in North America where e-learning or e-graduating or, or passing a certain e-course is, is mandatory if you're going to get your high school uh, leaving certificate? There are none in Canada. Uh, there are a couple of U.S. states, Alabama being an example, that require one. And so right now, the Ontario government has scaled back from four to two as, as what they're proposing. But even at two, that's still more than any other jurisdiction anywhere in North America has ever done before as far as mandatory e-learning. Let me ask you about the column you wrote. And it was, uh, it, it, was, it was out a few weeks ago. The fine line between education and indoctrination. Now, I know there are teachers who have said that uh, part of their job is and they didn't use, maybe didn't use the word indoctrinate, but they certainly suggested that part of their job is to do exactly that. Tell us about the column. Where's the fine line? What's going on? Well, the column is just sort of pointing out that uh, there are cases where some teachers go too far in terms of promoting their ideology to students. And uh, we see this a lot in, in the debate around some, some of the environmental issues in particular. And, uh, uh, for example, it, there are, it, it, in Alberta, there was a case where I think a teacher did a very good job of uh, showing students perspect different perspectives on the oil sands and uh, getting students to, uh, uh, to come to their own opinions. And some parents didn't like that. I was fine with that, though, because it's good to challenge students and get them to think differently about things and, and get different information. Where I have a major problem is when you have teachers that are training their students to become activists, that are taking their students to protest rallies and actively getting involved in that uh, because what you're doing is you're taking something that you are passionate about and assuming that all of your students should have the same opinion about it and should be 
active to the degree that they go to your rallies and, and protests and that sort of thing with you. And that I, have a, that I have a significant problem with. I have a problem with children being terrified in class. And specifically when it comes to the issue of climate change, we know that little kids have been absolutely frightened by what their teachers have, have told them in the classroom. Yeah, that should not be happening. I, it really bothers me when I hear of those types of things where, where if, you, if you've got students and they are frightened because of what you're telling them in school, uh, then you're not teaching properly. I mean, that's not what should be happening. Uh, we need to teach facts, information. Uh, uh, there's, students do need to learn about, uh, about how climate works, and not just simply uh, the, the issue of climate change itself, but they need to learn about meteorology and, and, and clouds and all these sorts of things. And yes, they should learn about, uh, uh, about, uh, about energy and how we get our resources and some of the challenges that we face, but you do it in a balanced way. You do it where students uh, acquire knowledge about it. And if students on their own choose to get passionate and want to get involved and form an environment club within school, that's wonderful. But if you're, when you get a whole class of, let's say, grade six students and the teacher is getting them all to write letters uh, protesting government actions on climate, uh, that's when I start to raise a red flag going, you know what, I think that the teacher is in those ki- in kinds of cases are is transferring his or her passion directly to the students, and not all of them are necessarily should have the same opinion. So my next question maybe should have been the first question I asked you, uh, and that is, we have in Canada, um, as we all know, it's the provinces that call the shots on education in their particular jurisdiction, not the federal government. Would we be better off if there were a national curriculum, a national plan, a national approach to at least uh, primary and secondary education? I think in certain subject areas that to at least have some federal standards, I think that would be very helpful. Uh, I would think particularly, and I know we've talked about this before, is Canadian history, uh, the, because it's, it's a real hodgepodge across the country. I mean, many provinces don't even mandate Canadian history uh, uh, courses at the high school level, and uh, it's, it's hit and miss as far as how much you get to the earlier grade levels. But the federal government already has uh, uh, already has new uh, citizens have to write a whole citizenship test where they demonstrate some knowledge of Canadian history. I don't see. I don't think it'd be that hard to come up with uh, some national standards that uh, that all students across Canada could potentially write, and then provinces could use those national standards to better inform their provincial curriculum. I I don't think it, would, it wouldn't be feasible for the federal government to take over all curriculum. It wouldn't. It would go out well outside of constitutional jurisdiction, and I'm not interested in getting into that. But to at least put forward some suggestions and some national standards in, in an area like Canadian history, I think would be extremely helpful. Michael, hold on. We'll come back. And uh, one of the things I want to ask Michael, and we've talked to him about this on previous programs in earlier years, and that is, are the basics of education still being taught the way they should be? Is reading, the ability to read and comprehend what you're reading, sufficiently stressed? Is mathematics being sufficiently stressed some provinces have made times tables mandatory, Manitoba being one of them. Is, are the basics being taught as well as they should be? And then there's something very interesting I found on Michael's website, and that is new graduate teachers are entering the profession, and they're not happy, many of them, not happy with what they were taught about teaching at university. What's the story behind that? We're back with our good friend Michael Zweigstra, Manitoba High School teacher, elected official. He's um, also a public speaker in various forums about education issues and a recipient of many 
Education Awards. His books include Sage on the Stage and uh, What's Wrong with Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them. A new version of, or at least a new, new distribution of Sage on the Stage coming out, right, Michael? That's right. The uh, the uh, the updated version uh, of A Sage on the Stage is coming out in mid-January. Uh, it's being published by uh, John Cat Educational, and it's already available for pre-order on Amazon. So if someone uh, uh, goes onto Amazon and just types in A Sage on the Stage or types in my name, it'll pop up pretty quickly, and uh, people want to pre-order uh, they're certainly welcome to do that. Okay, and uh, you spell Zwagstra, Z-W-A-A-G-S-T-R-A. And it's yes, mzwagstra at shaw.ca if people want to get yep. in touch with you. Okay, let's get at the issue of the uh, of the fundamentals, the basics. The ability to read, the ability to, um, to uh, deduce uh, reality from what you read, the ability to do math, the fundamentals of math, is there progress being made in, in our school systems? Maybe I should preface that by asking, is there a need for improved teaching of the fundamentals? And if there is, is it being done? Oh, there's certainly a need for improvement. I mean, you, you take something like reading, for example. I mean, reading is, uh, is one of the most fundamental skills that there is. I mean, if you don't learn how to read in school, not much else is going to matter. And uh, I would say that uh, with reading, there are two fundamental things. You need to be able to decode in order, in order to... Uh, you need to be able to say a word, you need to be able to understand what the letters are, but you also need to comprehend, you need to understand what you're reading. Uh, decoding, uh, that you need, for that you need phonics, and there's not enough phonics uh, in, in most jurisdictions, and that's a problem, even though, and the evidence is overwhelming that phonics is, uh, is extremely important. And for comprehension, you need broad content knowledge. The more you know about whatever it is you're reading about, the more background knowledge you have, the more likely it is you can understand it. And so we need a stronger focus on students acquiring as much knowledge as possible starting right at kindergarten and grade one. And so more phonics as far as the decoding, more focus on, uh, on, uh, on, on content knowledge for comprehension. Problem is many jurisdictions use something called balanced literacy, uh, which gets this exactly wrong because it does too little phonics and then also does too many comprehension exercises and replaces the content with comprehension exercises. And so students don't get the decoding skills and they don't get the comprehension. And that's problematic. Okay, so let me put you in the front of the classroom where you spend a lot of your time. You're the teacher. What do students respond to most positively? Students respond to a teacher who knows his or her stuff, who is firmly in charge of the room, who has a good relationship with them, and knows what they're doing and takes them through things in a sequential way that they can understand and gives them immediate feedback and helps correct errors and takes them to the next step. Those are the kinds of things that students respond well to. They want teachers who are in charge, who are structured, and at the same time have good personal relationships with them. And so this, this stereotype that anyone who's more traditional in approach doesn't have a good relationship with students, that is completely false. You can have a fantastic relationship with students while at the same time remaining in firm control of the classroom. What's the story behind new teachers, just recently graduated, um, making their way to the classroom and then shortly thereafter saying, not really pleased with what we were taught. It's not applicable in the day-to-day -day teaching environment. What's, with the, well, what's behind that? Well, it's because faculties of education uh, are under the grips of an ideology, a progressive ideology, that is the exact opposite of what good teaching is. And so what happens is you go to a faculty of education and you think you're going to learn how to teach, and actually you don't learn how to teach. You're, you're taught all these theories 
that really don't make sense. You're, you're told to do things that don't actually work in the classroom. You're not exposed to what, it, what any of these scientific evidence actually shows. And so you, you benefit from your practice teaching, you know, if you get, as long as you get placed in a school where you have a good mentor teacher. But I hear from so many teachers, they don't benefit from their education classes. Education classes, half the time you get stupider as a result of taking that course. I mean, there's just so much ridiculous things that go on in, in education courses. And I should know, I have, edu- I have undergraduate and graduate degrees in education. I've taken my fair share of education classes, so I know what happens in them. Michael, what would you say to parents? Uh, what advice do you have for parents who really want to become more engaged, more involved in the education path of their kids, but feel somehow maybe discouraged or feel they're not wanted, maybe they've been told essentially, stay out of things. At what point do parents get engaged and how specific should they be about what they want to see done? Well, I would say a few things. I would say, first of all, it's always important to try to develop a positive relationship with the teacher. Uh, I'm talking about the, in, the classroom teacher that's interacting with your with your son or daughter, uh, and it, even if you don't agree with everything they're doing, uh, having a positive relationship and asking questions and doing it in a way that doesn't sound threatening or judgmental, but just simply asking to say you want to understand what's happening because often uh, you can there are things that can happen just through having that sort of contact. Second, I would say uh, get more informed about what's happening and. Uh, uh, there are resources out there. I mean, my book would be an example. There are other good books. There are good websites uh, where you can learn more about what's happening in the school system, and so that that can give you some of the some of the background knowledge you as a parent need to understand what do some of these things actually mean. And so there are good resources that way. And uh, and then thirdly, I would say that you know if if you want changes at a broader level, be prepared to uh, uh, to contact. Uh, politicians, particularly at the provincial level, because that's where education is ultimately under the jurisdiction of, and uh, and have your voice heard. Contact your local uh, MLA or MPP, depending on what province you're in, and uh, and uh, advocate for specific things. Now we have about 20 seconds left. As we look ahead to 2020, are you hopeful that things are improving as far as the delivery of education across Canada is concerned? Uh, I'm hopeful, but uh, I think we're going to see mixed progress. I think some jurisdictions, we might see some improvements. Um, but it is still a long road ahead as far as getting some of the changes we need to see. Always great speaking with you, Michael. Thank you very much for all the time you spent with us in 2019. Happy New Year to you, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Roy. Always enjoy it, and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you, sir. Michael Zweigster, that's Z-W-A-A-G-S-T-R-A. Michael Zweigster, you can uh, check out his website, or you can contact him at mzweigster at shaw.ca. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.